0: We're excited about this one, and thank you guys for listening. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Alec Jonathan Ogletree, which actually is his middle name, was born on September 25th, 1991 and was traded to the New York Football Giants last offseason from Los Angeles. And after quite the interesting season in 2018, Ogletree looks to continue his role as this defense's leader and improve in certain areas of his game. This is previewing the Giants. David, if you had to describe his 2018 season in a few words, what would it be? If I
1: had to describe Alec Holtrice 2018 season, I would use the words
0: inconsistent, tantalizing, and frustrating. For 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 the people at home that don't know what the word tantalizing means, what does the word tantalizing mean? That's that's a that's a big SAT word.
1: He he kind of like he showed you some really really good things and got you drew you in. And you wanted more, and and it was you you wanted so many so so much from him, and and he, he kind of tricked you. He played with your heart, and then he would turn around, and before you knew it, it was all gone. Left you wanting that first high again. You know what I mean? That's a great summary. Thank you. That's a great summary. So, so I would say that frustrating, evidently, and uh, inconsistent is is like an easy one.
0: So what this is this is a series that we are calling previewing the giants, where we take every single significant giants player on this roster. And we are going to give some personal fun facts, personal information about the player. Who are they? Then we're going to go into stats and basic info. Then we're going to analyze them in the analysis portion. And then we will give some predictions on what we think their 2019 season will look like. That is the format of the episode. And now we are going to get started on Alec Jonathan Ogletree. Officially, even though David really did give a very good synopsis of what his 2018 season was like. Thank you. Even though that was fantastic. We should just end the episode right now. All right. Thanks. Okay. For- All right. Goodbye. Next one. music. Play it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alec Ogletree, uh has a twin brother. Ironically, his name is Alexander. So his parents decided to name his to name twins Alec and Alexander.
1: Now, I need to ask you, which of
0: those students would you rather have? Oh, I think Alec. I think I would, Alec. It's different. Yeah, because it's different. But however, Alexander, they gave him the nickname Xander.
1: There's no cooler nickname than Xander.
0: Yeah. So they grew up in Noonan, Georgia, went to Noonan High School. Their mascot is the Cougars. Fun fact, Alec Ogletree and Alan Jackson went to the same high school. David, do you know who Alan Jackson is? Not a clue. He's a very, very good country singer. He's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Do you want me to sing some Alan Jackson? No. All right. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Yeah, way down yonder on the Chattacoochee. Never knew how much that muddy water meant to me. But I learned how to swim, man. I learned who I was. A lot about living in a little about love. That's it. That's Alan Jackson right there. That song, that song is called Chattacoochee or Chattahoochee. I don't know how to say it.
1: Justin, this, this episode is so far off the rails already. I gave a very odd description of the word "tantalizing," and you just sang that we are—we're not even close to where we're supposed to be right now.
0: Do you know what Alec Ogletree's favorite movie is? Uh, I could read our notes. All right, don't do that. Don't. Or be a jerk. I could. I, <laughs> don't be a jerk. Uh, then no, Justin, I don't. Uh, his favorite movie is The Lion King, which is wow, <laughs> which is very strange because that movie was like was um, released when he was three. And basically, it's also strange because, you know, out of all of the movies that have ever been made, his favorite superhero is Popeye. Uh, David, do we consider Popeye a superhero? Absolutely not. Wow. Wow.
1: See, but I've got a hot take about Batman, too. I don't
0: think Batman's a superhero. All right. We're fighting after this episode.
1: So uh, on our Kevin Zeitler episode, I told the Twitter worlds and, and everyone else who's listening on other platforms about my uh, hamster story, my Elton well, I didn't tell the story. I told, them I, would, I told them if they were interested, they could DM me, and I would help them understand my Elton story. If anybody wants to, to bring smoke, I, I'm, I'm down for the smoke on Twitter about Batman not being a superhero. I'd be happy to, to explain to you why Batman's not a superhero. I'm not going to do it here. But Popeye is most definitely not a superhero.
0: I expect an essay to be put on the Bleeding Blue website. Okay. According, to, uh, according to his Instagram, that is Alec Ogletree's Instagram, uh, him and his wife share... Two Porsche SUVs, a Bentley soft top convertible, and a GMC truck that had and i and I think that GMC truck has been raised, so it's like extra high mm-hmm. and I would have a, a lot of trouble getting into those vehicles <laughs> i i have I just have a, a very difficult time just moving in general. that's why I like sitting down recording podcasts. Because, like, <laughs> So a life decision that I do not agree with here is that all of his vehicles are in black and white. And in my opinion, that is a terrible idea and a recipe for disaster. Why? Because I was telling David before the show, I detail cars uh, as a side job. And having black and white cars is just a terrible idea, especially if you're living in the Northeast where salts and people hit your cars all the time. That's too soon of a joke for David. Yeah. It's just a recipe for disaster. But anyway, Alec in high school was a three-sport athlete, uh, football, basketball, and track. He participated in the long jump, ran the 400-meter dash. He was a USA Today All-American in 2009. He had the choice of the best schools in the country and ultimately chose Georgia. He's one of multiple starters on this Giants defense who are ex-Georgia Bulldogs, including DeAndre Baker, Lorenzo Carter. His brother, Xander was a fullback with Georgia as well. He was drafted with the 30th pick in the 2013 NFL draft during his first three years in the league. He was an outside linebacker going back and forth between Sam linebacker and the Will linebacker. So strong linebacker, strong side, and weak side linebacker. So he's a I didn't actually know that before doing this research. I thought he was solely uh, as a middle linebacker for his entire career, but actually he started out as an outside linebacker in a 4-3 system. I did not know that. And you
1: clearly can and like that completely makes sense if you, like the beginning of what you were saying there about him being a three-sport athlete, he clearly a lot, I think he's a lot more athletic than people gave him credit for. I didn't know he, he was a three-sport athlete.
0: Yeah. Track, that's crazy. So stats and basic info, even in those roles, So in those different roles where we talked about him being an outside linebacker, even in those roles, his numbers on the surface, they look very good. His first two years in the league, he had over 100 total combined tackles, 95 and 84 solo tackles, respectively, a total of 15 tackles for loss in those first two years. Pro football focus on their grading system and advanced analytics, however, have never liked Ogletree at all. His highest graded season was his rookie season with 75.2. The rest of his career, despite great flashy numbers on the surface, those grades were poor, including a 2016 grade of 51 when he was actually a second team all pro. There are two huge issues that come to mind when analyzing Ogletree and his game. Missed tackles and coverage issues. Some pretty, well, if you ask me, those are, those are two pretty significant issues for linebackers. Uh, in 2016, even though he was second team All Pro, his 27, I'm going to say this again, 27 missed tackles in 2016 were the most of any linebacker. He missed 20 tackles in 2017. And unlike his counterpart, BJ Goodson, Ogletree, is not surprisingly ranked poorly in the combined tackle efficiency numbers, which measures the total number of attempted tackles per missed tackle. And this is a metric according to pro football focus. So BJ Goodson, actually one of the areas where pro football focus actually does like him. He is a very efficient tackler in terms of his total number of tacklers tackles per attempt where Ogletree is not very efficient. So, Let's get to his 2018 season. In 2018, Ogletree was graded 50.6, which was 53rd among 57 qualifying inside linebackers. He missed 16 tackles, which was 8th worst among qualifying linebackers. Despite the five interceptions, his coverage grade was 50th. His run defense was graded 52nd. He started 13 games, had five interceptions, two defensive touchdowns. Both were career highs. And those highlight plays in 2018, it made it a bit more bearable to watch. He had a total of 93 combined tackles, 58 solo, for an average for about seven per game, six tackles for losses, four QB hits. Um, He has a pretty good ability to blitz and hit the quarterback, so that is a plus. I know we're kind of going in on Alec Ogletree right now, and we're kind of really uh, – Oh, you are. Yeah. Well, we both both have – we both have poo-pooed on him on the past yes. podcast. Yes, I uh, have. His strength, where it does lie, is in his athleticism. And go figure, you see his high school career and you see his track record where he, his ability to blitz and his ability to move and use his strength and use that athleticism to make different plays. He's just not very good in coverage. I wish he could use that, that athleticism in coverage. But And even in his playmaking ability, when he does get the ball in his hands, you saw he did great things last year. So there you go. More athleticism, more complimenting Alec Ogletree. We just don't want to shit on him totally. But we're going to do a little bit more of that. 2018 was also the first season of his career where where he did not have at least 10 deflected passes. He had eight. However, since 2016, he is tied for fifth in the league with the most batted passes. Now, David, I kind of read you those numbers. He has a lot of tackles. He does have a good ability to blitz. He's pretty bad in coverage. He misses tackles, but he's a but he has a lot of tackles at the same time, so it's very confusing. Didn't we give him the award of the most confusing player? Now, not we, I think you did. You I gave did. the award of the most confusing player, and you talked about it in the intro where it's like, "Oh, he he's like deceptively good, but he does things bad and Pro Football Focus hates him." So, Maybe if you want to expand on that a little bit more, or if you feel like you've touched on it enough, but during our awards episode where we ended last season, David gave him the most confusing award so David, why don't you go into that since I gave our our stats and basic info session is now done
1: you know when when you when you're looking at all of these stats, I think it's important to sift through them. I actually have a question for you, justin, because you you know admittedly you focus and you you rely a lot heavier on um, pro football focus, right? So one of the things that I'm wondering though, is what is pro football focus considering a missed tackle? So, you know, we're, we're talking about his 20, 27 missed tackles in 2016, uh, was the most of any linebacker Missed 20 tackles last season. And I understand I might be falling on the, on the erroneously, um, optimistic side, um, this could be a dangerous take. I might be walking down, walking down a hole I don't want to walk down. But linebackers are not only there to make tackles, especially on a team where there is no dominant linebacker and the Giants don't have a dominant linebacker. They are a linebacker by committee. So I'm, I'm curious, I'm genuinely curious to know what they're considering to be a missed tackle. Are we talking about a play where you know Ogletree gets a hand on the running back, and that for all we know could be in the backfield and just doesn't finish the play. You know, running back stumbles out of the tackle, ends up getting tackled for a loss of one. He didn't make the tackle. He actually missed the tackle. Doesn't get a half a tackle because he really wasn't in the final pursuit of the play. And I don't know. I'm not saying that's definitely true. I just think, I would just put a little, a little star next to those missed tackle numbers because you really don't know he's not just whiffing twenty-seven times. You know if, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I, I just I just want to point that out. And the other thing I want to point out is the the whole batted passes and and he is athletic. So why is it that he he seems so unable to play to cover? Because I agree his one of his strengths is blitzing. He's a he's very good at blitzing up the middle. He he understands gap assignments. He understands where to be. He understands. how how to attack the offensive line. I think he can use his athleticism very north-south. I, I feel like where you see him get into a lot of trouble is when there's a running back running at him, makes a cut. It's very hard for him to move laterally. He gets turned around very easily. And then, and then he ends up in, it looks like he's in the wrong spot. He doesn't know what he's doing. I he actually think he's got a fairly high IQ. He just doesn't have the athleticism in that in that regard to stay with running backs and offenses know that. So I really think that that falls on James Betcher to put a game plan together that, you know, you know, you've got a weapon in Alec Ogletree. You got to use him correctly. So, so I, I think he is so confusing. He's so interesting because he's capable of so many really impressive plays. As we saw at times last year, as you pointed out, Justin, it made his 2018 season more bearable to watch. As, for as many really, really poor plays he made, he actually made a lot of really impressive plays. So you really can't get a read. Obviously, the analytics don't like him very much, but to the naked eye, you actually could like him a lot. So he's very interesting. I just think, you guys think some of those stats with a grain, with a grain of salt, the same grain of salt you're taking the really, really impressive plays with, and I think it's really up to better to use him correctly because he's not dominant in and of himself.
0: Now, there's two points that you brought up that I thought were really great points, and I kind of want to expand on a little bit. First off, maybe why he has so many tackles in his career, it's because he's allowing these catches, he's so bad in coverage, and he's making tackles based off of the catches that he allows. All right. That's, 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 that's a theory. That's a theory. Could be wrong. But the second thing that you mentioned, and a second thing that I really do want to emphasize in our analysis section of Alec Ogletree Now that we have a much better secondary this year in 2019, I want to read you James Betcher's blitz rate statistics. Now, this is the first time I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I have the concrete stats and I have the concrete numbers right here in front of me right now. This is probably not the first time we're going to mention this. We're probably going to mention this a few more times. So maybe eventually you'll know these numbers like the back of your hand. James Betcher's blitz rate. In 2015, he had a 47 percent blitz rate, highest in the league. 2016, he had a 41 percent blitz rate, tied for the highest in the league. 2017, 37 percent, that was the fifth highest in the league. 2018, as of November 18th, so that was pretty close to the end of the season when I when I caught this metric, when I saw this, when I saw this, not a metric, when I saw this st- uh, statistic. Tough word. <laughs> As of November eighteenth, his blitz rate was eighteen point four percent, which was thirteenth in the league. So around the middle of the pack. However, the difference between eighteen point four percent blitz rate and in the forties—that's that's significant. That is not, that's that's basically cut in half. So. You talked about utilizing Alec Ogletree's strengths. And I feel like that's what we're basically talking about with all these players, with all these uh uh previewing the Giants episodes is how can we utilize these players' strengths? How can we talk about, you know, what can the Giants do to utilize these players' strengths? We're not coaches, we're not actually doing it. But there was actually an interview on the Giants Huddle podcast where the linebackers coach was talking about Alec Ogletree, and there was basically a question of, oh yeah, what 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 could you do to uh what could you do to maybe make Al Gogoltrees' uh, coverage abilities you know, continue to improve on those? And I love how the linebackers coach basically dodged the question. He was like, uh, we're going to use Al Gogoltrees' strengths and we're just going to try to improve on that. It was kind, <laughs> of, like, it was kind of like an LOL moment if you, go back to that, if you go back to that Giants huddle episode if you go back to that interview where I really think because the secondary is a lot stronger this year that blitz rate number will go up Alec Ogletree will be the one asked to blitz from A gaps, B gaps, go on stunts. Tay Davis will be the guy in the nickel sub packages that will be asked to drop back in coverage because that's his strength. His overall strength is doing that. So,
1: and actually, to take that to take that uh, point a step further, Justin. I just just now pulled up the Arizona Cardinals' 2015 roster. So th- this is when. You said that in 15 he had the highest blitz rate in the NFL, right? Yes. So, let me read you the secondary for the 2015 Arizona Cardinals. Among their secondary was Tony Jefferson, Patrick Peterson, DJ Swearinger, Gerard Powers, and Rashad Johnson. All Rashad Johnson, I, I've heard of. I don't know if everybody else has. The other, the the rest of that group. Um, particularly Jefferson Peterson and Swearinger at times in his career are upper level players they're very very good at their position good at what they do and something tells me that last season Betcher walks in, walks in the room and sees saw what that secondary looked like he probably didn't have the same confidence that he had in that secondary uh, the 2016 Cardinals defense uh, secondary was not quite as packed as that secondary but then you still have patrick peterson still a dj swearinger um so i think a lot's to be said for that point justin which is with a more with more confidence in that secondary it's going to come more confidence using the front seven you uh, being able to use their strengths a little bit more You, you can gamble a little more with the strengths and kind of shoot for the stars a little bit with the front seven you know the secondary is going to have your back
0: so we know what we're going to get out of Alec Ogletree. We know that there's going to be some coverage weaknesses. We know that maybe he'll miss some tackles, and maybe we now that we know who Alec Ogletree is, maybe we can keep more of an eye on out an eye out for that in 2019. We're going to try to maximize his strengths. Hopefully, that blitz rate can go up, which is also a theory why the Giants pass rush is going to be more effective than years past because of the fact that if you have that stronger secondary, maybe you can. Rely on them more, number one. And number two, maybe you can get some coverage sacks, which is where the NFL is kind of trending towards. But Alec Ogletree, he's getting approximately $11 million this year. Um, If the Giants are in a situation where they're in a, a very poopy mode in the middle of the season, he probably does not have much trade value because he's getting all that money. Uh, so he's probably he probably does make it through 2019 with the team. However, the team would only have to eat about three million dollars in dead cap to cut ties with him for 2020. So unless we can see a huge step up from Olga in 2019, that's probably his destiny. Um, especially with such a with such a huge cap in next offseason. I'm sure the Giants they only want to add to that, especially with Ryan Conley also waiting in the wings, who don't get me wrong. He is a project, but the areas in which Ogletree struggles in the NFL, Conley has some impressive pro football focus numbers backing him, which we will get to during his previewing the Giants episode. So basically, David, to wrap up very quickly, what do we expect in 2019? Even though we kind of already did talk about, you know, we're going to be expecting him to uh, to blitz more and to be more involved in pass rush. But in terms of numbers, I'm expecting 90 to 95 tackles, 65 solo tackles, seven passes deflected, two and a half to three sacks, which is more than he had last year, six tackles for loss, six to seven QB hits. Um, I also think his snap count may possibly take a hit. B.J. Goodson is better than everyone thinks, in my opinion. Tay Davis is also very underrated as we've mentioned uh, before on this podcast, Ryan Conley is there as well. And he could honestly be taking some snaps from people. If Alec Ogletree isn't good now that I, I think that is a pretty strong take because Alec Ogletree, he still is the leader of this defense. The players on this football team still look to him. So if he is the guy, if you know, he still has a C on a, sh- he still has a C on his shirt. And if, There's somebody that's taking snaps away from him that may be like a bad locker room mojo, so I don't know how much that actually plays into everything. Um, And I'm also not saying that the rest of those linebackers are going to set the world on fire because the linebacker position both inside and outside is probably one of the most concerning positions on this football team. However, I do expect James Betcher, like we said, to utilize Ogletree in different ways now that we have the improved secondary. Betcher may be able to or he may be able to be more inclined to blitz more similar to the rates that we saw in Arizona. So David, give us some of your number projections, or if you want to agree or disagree with mine, and then we'll wrap up.
1: I think you pretty much hit where I am with uh four tree. I would tend to say, I think his tackles will be a little bit lower. Now I don't think he'll be uh, in that range, even though I know he's been there for a lot of his, for a lot of his career. He's been, he's been in the upper eighties, lower nineties. I can see that being a little bit lower. I would say I think his sacks will be higher. I could see him more honestly. I could see him more in the four to five sack range. Not a huge really? difference. But yeah, I could see him doubling what
0: you've got there. The low end of it. I would maybe keep the sack numbers the same. The hits the QB hits. Maybe maybe the QB hits and QB pressures maybe because inside linebacker that's tough to really get a lot of sacks on.
1: I agree. You brought up the point of that that being a strength of his, and I, I, he it really is a strength. Um, and I think I, I really trust James Betcher and the schemes in which he's gonna create to really give Ogletree open lanes at the quarterback. So I think your stat, your stats are pretty much good. I would raise the sacks up still a little bit, um, and maybe also put the hits up with it. I think he's going to be extremely active in the backfield. And his issues in pass coverage are what they are. You know, if if opposing offenses managed to get him in one-on-one situations, that's that's a that's a battle they won.
0: They they beat our scheme. All right, so that's gonna wrap up this previewing the Giants' third episode. We want to thank you for listening. the The numbers so far have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you enjoy, maybe leave a five star rating on the Apple Podcast app. We've gone up uh, a couple ratings the past uh, the past week, and it's really appreciated. So until tomorrow, David, keep on bleeding blue, and
1: everybody stay beautiful.